Hello and welcome to The Green Stream, a podcast brought to you by Sustainable Business Network Detroit, a network of partnerships between Southeast Michigan stakeholders, innovators, and changemakers. Each partner is on a mission to advance and amplify sustainable business practices, and we're here to learn from, share, and help activate a sustainable way forward for Greater Detroit. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And head over to our website, sbn-detroit.org. Now, let's listen in to our conversation with today's sustainability leaders. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us on the Green Stream today. I'm Terry Barclay, President and CEO of Inforum and Chair of the Sustainable Business Network of Detroit. And I am over the moon that joining us today is Jermaine Ruffin, who's Senior Vice President of Neighborhood Neighborhoods at Invest Detroit. Um, and Jermaine, you know, you've just got this amazing background. Um, so I just want to say welcome, and I hope you're going to tell us a little bit about how did you how did tell us about your career and how you got to where you are now. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, for, first and foremost, Terry, I just want to thank you for, for having me on. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here with you today. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit about my, my background. I, uh, I, I moved here from, uh, from Ohio uh, to go to Michigan State University. And like a lot of my, uh, you know, my, my, my fellow friends and things, we were looking for work that we were passionate about. Um, and after graduating, um, before I graduated from Michigan State, I actually, I found that opportunity. I thought it was in politics. Um, and so I spent a, a little bit of my college career and early professional career working in and for, um, you know, different senators and presidential campaigns and, you know, really digging myself into the political landscape of the state of Michigan and nationally as much as I could, um, just to get an understanding of what it took to make change um, where, you know, wherever I lied, um, or wherever I not, ended up, wherever, yeah, <laughs> wherever I laid my head, put it that way, wherever, it, wherever, uh, city or state or, or that I was in, that I would be able to, to plug in and really understand how policy is made and, um, figure out exactly how I could make a contribution to, to my neighborhood, um, or the city that I lived in. And so, after that uh, that career in politics, I was I, I had the opportunity to travel to Florida, and um, I was there during the the John Kerry Edwards campaign, and, and I went door to door, knocking doors in in mm-hmm. some of the most impoverished cities in the state of Florida, and it really gave me a a bird's eye view of what the work really needed to be uh, for me, and uh, that work needed to be directly addressing issues and challenges that neighborhoods face, much like what I grew up in. And so um, taking that view, I came back to Michigan um, and I ended up working for Governor Granholm for an initiative called the Cities of Promise program. And that initiative, I work with the eight most impoverished cities in the state of Michigan. And so I got a chance to see, you know, what challenges and struggles that a lot of municipalities dealt with and try to identify solutions to those challenges. And the great thing about working for that administration was, you know, this program really aligned all of the state departments and said, hey, how can we cut the red tape? How can we be of better service to our communities across Michigan? 
And that really laid the groundwork for me to get interested in urban planning, because before then I had no idea what that field was. But being on the ground in these cities, I realized that all of these major systems contributed to the day-to-day -day quality of life that residents saw. Um, and I needed to be in that space. And so um, long story short, I went back to Mishta. Uh, I ended up getting a graduate degree from Taubman College at the University of Michigan in urban and regional planning um, with a specialty focus on community and economic development. And the work that I've been engaged in for the last several years has been at the neighborhood level um, of how do we shift and change major systems to improve the quality of life for Detroit residents. Wow. <clears throat> you know, we actually have followed each other a little bit. Um, it's interesting. Uh, my undergraduate degrees in urban studies and oh, okay. I too, the most recent move I made was from Ohio to here in my case, to go to grad school at university of Michigan and, you know, ended up staying and making a life and a career in, in Michigan, which I think is, you know, such a great place. Oh, <laughs> and, it is. It um, is on so many fronts, but certainly not without its challenges. And um, I am just fascinated with your work with in the neighborhoods. You know, we hear so much talk about the neighborhoods and sometimes I have, in the past, I have found myself wondering, what are we doing, yeah, <laughs> you know, to, to actually make change there. So I'm hoping you can share a little bit about the work with the uh, Detroit Strategic Neighborhood Fund and that whole initiative, can you can you tell us what that's about? Sure, sure. the The Detroit Strategic Neighborhood Fund um, is an initiative that started several years ago um, in uh, in partnership with uh, Mayor Duggan's first uh, administration. You know, after coming out of the bankruptcy. Um, there was, you know, folks could look at it as that that was a, that was definitely a, a, a tragic time in the city, um, something that residents and stakeholders here um, went through an experience and coming out of that, there's there was opportunity to, you know, decide what the city would look like over the next decade to 20 to 30 to 40 years, um, having, you know, essentially some of the financial, uh, you know, barriers that had existed for a long time to be removed. And so coming out of that, Invest Detroit looked at a couple of different options. And, you know, when it comes to community revitalization strategies, you know, typically folks are focused on like what we've seen in Detroit, which is, you know, how do you create this commercial and business hub in the downtown area and make those investments? And, and you know, to an extent, that is a strategy that's been proven, right? Um, so you want to attract uh, businesses to the downtown core area and bring jobs and resources to those spaces. Invest Detroit saw the opportunity um, while that was going on to look at the neighborhoods and say, what are we doing to address the long-term viability of, of the neighborhoods of Detroit? And really, you know, quite frankly, I think the residents, um, you know, had raised that through the bankruptcy, coming out of the bankruptcy. What about us? What about our neighborhoods? What about, you know, we, we don't have streetlights. We didn't have uh, you know, response times from police and all of those things that we deserve. And so folks, you know, kind of rallied and said, what about us? And so I think the Strategic Neighborhood Fund started off as an as an effort to try to address some of those issues that came up. Um, and so SNF1 uh, was birthed, and that is a public-private partnership between the city of Detroit, 
between Invest Detroit and also with local foundations and uh, corporate sponsors who put money into a fund that allow for us to engage residents um, with a planning process. Because first and foremost, we have to understand what are those needs um, because they're unique to every neighborhood. Um, and so SNF-1 and then subsequently SNF-2 um, were vehicles to raise this, this these philanthrop philanthropic dollars, leverage it with state and city funding um, going into these spaces, and as well with Invest Detroit as somewhat as the, the fiduciary to help bring these deals, um, you know, because we're we're a CDFI, a community development finance institution. And so our work, um, we're much like a bank, but we're mission driven. So this type of work in the neighborhoods that requires a little more subsidy, that requires, you know, technical assistance to be brought in to, you know, to help out small business owners and small developers who are looking to be a part of the revitalization of the city. We help fund and empower those folks um, with our programming and our technical assistance um, at, on a day-to-day -day basis. And so we, we in SNF2, as we move forward and made those investments, we made them in five strategic buckets. Um, those five buckets consisted of, we, we invested in parks, um, so in each of the neighborhoods, there was a, a large park investment or a greenway that we supported um, putting in new. Uh, the second phase was streetscape improvements and infrastructure improvements along the commercial corridors and within the neighborhoods. Um, we focused on commercial in, and, and retail investment. So by that, I mean, we there are a lot of entrepreneurs who, who are operating or were operating businesses out of their homes. Um, or out of some of the, you know, the the startup organizations that uh, are around the city and, and those who um, had this vision that they wanted to be a part of the future of Detroit. And what better place to do that than in your neighborhood, right on a commercial corridor and get the support of your neighbors um, and friends, right? And so we work with those folks to bring those ideas to fruition. Um, and then we focused on, you know, some, some real core and foundational things that neighborhood revitalization requires, which is affordable housing. Um, we we partner with the city and some of their programming to make sure that we brought both affordable housing units to the neighborhoods that we're invested in, and then also market rate um, opportunity as well where it existed. Um, but our goal was to really focus on making all of those investments with the focus on keeping residents who are in the neighborhood. So this anti from an anti-displacement perspective, um, but also from a perspective of what is the long-term resiliency and sustainability of these neighborhoods, right? I think, um, you know, it's important that those folks who have seen the historic up and down of their neighborhoods continue to be a part of the fabric of, of investment there, but, but continue to be able to be the ones who tell the story and be ambassadors for the change that they saw in there, that they've seen in their neighborhood. And so this SNF work allows for us to do all of those things from an investment perspective, but stick to the core of we're mission-driven, we want Detroiters to be positively impacted, and we want a resilient neighborhood for Detroiters everywhere. You know, that is just incredible um, work, important work. Um, how many different neighborhoods have you been able to work with through both sets of investment? Sure. We've, we've really been focused on 10 different neighborhoods. Um, we, we say in 11th uh, and that 11th neighborhood is really 
You know, when we look at Northwest Grand River, uh, we're talking about Grand, uh, the Grandmont Rosedale neighborhood along with the old Redford neighborhood. And so, you know, the, the characteristics and uniqueness of both of those neighborhoods, um, we tend to say, oh, it's, it's, it's uh, Grand River Northwest, but it's really those two neighborhoods. And so um, those are the, the 10 and 11 that we're really focused in. And like I said, those strategies and those buckets of investment have have been taking place in all of those uh, respective neighborhoods. And they're at different levels. But our goal is to continue to be a partner until all of those neighbors uh, neighborhoods reach what we call resiliency, which means that the investment in those neighborhoods no longer requires the subsidy that Invest Detroit provides, but that we can utilize our regular products uh, in those areas and support some of the initiatives after we've made all of these investments to support residents to get to that level of, of where that subsi subsidized investment is no longer needed. So we're, we're a long-term partner in this stuff in all of those neighborhoods. That's just a huge goal, and it's yeah. an important goal. <laughs> I, you know, I, um, wow. <laughs> I just have to say, wow. <laughs> it's, really it's a lot. It's a lot on a day that you know when I say it out loud like that. It's 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 like wow. The the you know the the pressure that can kind of come with that. I mean, right? Like you're setting um, public expectation for you know partnership. And, you know, that's something that we take very seriously here. Um, our, our, you know, reputational stake is on the line when it comes to saying, hey, we're, we're going to be here and be a partner with you. you we don't want to half step on that um, or shortchange, you know, the, the, what residents need. And they need that type of investment and support um, for, for folks to be able to thrive. You know, Jermaine, I, I, um, I'm on a couple of uh you know, nonprofit boards that are working in the sustainability area. Um, mm -hmm. uh, one of them is the Nature Conservancy. And, you know, they have uh, done some uh, green infrastructure projects, green stormwater infrastructure mm -hmm. project projects. Um, oh, yeah. Is What are you seeing around green infrastructure in the neighborhoods? I mean, look at the flooding, mm -hmm. look at the, you know, some oh, of yeah. the just challenges that that neighborhoods in particular have had. Oh yeah, yeah, it's definitely been been a challenge and it, it will continue to be a challenge in Detroit uh for for a little while to come, but I think we're moving in the direction of how do we solve for these issues long term? Yeah. And I can tell you that uh along our commercial corridors, um you know, we we are very conscientious when it comes to the streetscape uh and streetscape improvements about what type of impacts are we making both from a you know, a street calming uh, type of perspective, uh, encouraging wider sidewalks so you can have uh, pedestrians and, and folks walking around, uh, hopefully cutting down on all of that, uh, you know, the, the car usage and things like that. Um, but then also when we talk about our, our parks and, and green space, it's really important to have that in neighborhoods to uh, make sure that you're providing those types of quality of life items. Um, because it's or amenities, I should say, because it's it, those are the things that go long term towards addressing climate change. It's a small way, um, but it's definitely one of those things that we have to address in our programming. I think the the piece about the flooding is really, um, you know, it's a real it's a real challenge. And I, I think in partnership with the city uh, and residents that, you know, hopefully folks are getting to the space where we can understand that this should be a priority for all of us, whether you live in the neighborhood uh, that has been flooding or not, 
This is a priority for all of us because bottom line, um, our our tax dollars should be going to resolve these issues long term, uh, or we're going to end up ultimately paying a financial price and 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 climate price here um, in the city of Detroit. So you know we're very supportive and working with different organizations and. Quite frankly, our foundational, uh, our foundation partners, uh, many of them have climate goals and and environmental goals that align with our work, um, right? And so they they want to know uh, the same questions that you're asking, like how are we focusing on that? Are we are we making that a priority part of our community planning process, which we are? Are we making that a priority part of the infrastructure improvements that that we're making and the, the green space improvements that we're making? And we are. Um, and so we have a long way to go. Um, and we're always open for innovation and, and new ideas uh, that we can utilize in our programming and, and the resources that we offer uh, to businesses and residents across the city. Well, I just have to say that certainly one of the one of the very visible impacts that yeah. you've had the the green spaces and the parks is just I think it's magical. <laughs> what's yeah. happening. I mean, it's really quite extraordinary and and it's really um wonderful when you get a chance to hear families talk about the importance of those spaces, you know, to to their family. Yeah. Um oh, yeah. Great oh, great yeah. work. <laughs> Thank you for that. And I, I just, you know, just quickly, I just want to say, um, you know, one one phase of addressing environmental issues that that I kind of glaze over that the parks also provide is like we take a park like Fitzgerald uh, in the Fitzgerald neighborhood, the Ella Fitzgerald Park, um, which, you know, previously there yeah. were there were dilapidated homes there yeah. um, and vacant lots. And so to be able to take land that had structures on it and clean that land up uh, and put it in use for uh, for for neighborhood activities, uh, for youth activities, senior activities. Um, whenever I go over there, I just kind of smile ear to ear because, you know, I know all the work that it took to get there. And, you know, we had great partners um, at the city of Detroit who, you know, had that vision and worked with us to make it uh, become a reality. Yes. I, I know some of those people who, who did that work with the city oh, yeah. and I know it's a high point in their careers too, that they were able to contribute to that. So that's really fabulous. Absolutely. So <clears throat> you've been talking a little bit about this, but how does Invest Detroit consider the stimulation of equity and the creation of wealth for Detroiters? You know, how, how do you view that whole thing of creating that sustainability in that way? Yeah, sure. I, th I think initially with SNF one, um, and going into S going into SNF two, that question of how do we address equity, you know, wasn't at the forefront of what we do. Um, it was really a question of what can we do to just spark the economy, right? What can we do to just spark neighborhood investment? Um, but what we realized quickly through time is that in order for this work to be sustainable um, and and engaging neighborhood residents they were very vocal about, well, what about us and how can we be a part of this? And I think when we're talking about a city that's over 80% uh, African-American, um, you know, and the history that exists in these neighborhoods, we you can't go into them without acknowledging 
you know, red line that happened without acknowledging the consistent and persistent disinvestment that took place in these neighborhoods and some of the challenges of foreclosure and demolition and all of these things, which create a, can create a tra traumatic environment, right, for, for a lot of residents in the city. So I think the city of Detroit's planning department, um, in particular during this period of time, and our partnership with them really dug deep into this community planning process to better understand what those challenges were from a historical perspective, um, but then also identify those immediate kind of needs and desires that folks have and get those addressed as quickly as possible, because it's hard to focus on your future when your present is so challenged, right? Um, and so I think being able to be in a position to address some of those, those present challenges um, also created a level of trust for us that when we say we're planning and we want you to be a part of this moving forward in the future, um, that residents saw that through action, not just through word. Um, and so that that's the foundation of it. The second piece is, is being intentional. Um, I think that we've re been really intentional, especially under SNF2, um, with working with the Equitable Development Initiative that the Capital Impact Program runs, um, working with Building Community Value, the program that Chase Cantrell runs, um, where they have been training up and identifying developers and contractors and business owners and folks who really want to be active in the built environment space. And so for us, when you have uh, black and brown residents who have seen overwhelmingly the, the disinvestment and the challenges in their neighborhood, now begin to be a part of that investment towards the future, that lays that foundation for generational wealth and resiliency and sustainability that um, whether I'm still active in this role or Invest Detroit is still active in this role, that positive impact continues. Um, and that's that's what's important here is it's it's important that the residents are able, no matter where where we are and where we are investing in a city, um, that folks get that ultimate benefit and be able to 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 not only have it for their quality of life, but to be able to pass it forward to future generations. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> that that's kind of probably a good segue to something that I'm curious about and want to ask mm -hmm. you, which is um, you've been, kind of been talking about this all along, but what is the particular inspiration for you personally? I mean, um, to, to do this work, you have lots of choices, right? Uh, about yeah. what you could do and where you could take your talent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. And I, I really feel as if, you know, my, my lived experience, um, like I said, I, I originally, I moved up here from Ohio. Uh, my family, I grew up in a, a single parent household, the, the oldest of four boys. Um, and, you know, we lived in a very, uh, you know, rough neighborhood, so to speak, and growing up in that experience. And then my formative years, uh, you know, working in politics and working with impoverished communities, it really set my compass towards uh, equity and justice and giving back uh, with my talents. Um, I know I could be just about anywhere. Um, I, or at least I've been told, <laughs> I've been told that, um, <laughs> but, but there is no place that I, I'd rather be than the city of Detroit, mostly um, for the reason that I get to be able to, to live my, my personal mission every day. Um, and there is work to do. And I've, I've seen a number of, you know, things progress over the years since, since, um, 
you know, I've worked with wonderful people in the residents of the city of Detroit, and I really believe that Detroit has the ability to be one of the greatest cities on earth um, if we keep moving in a positive way and we center ourselves with ensuring that our community has that equity and justice uh, and generational wealth building opportunities um, like all the great cities in, in the world do. Uh, and so I think we're moving in that way. And I continue to be excited about the work because I have great uh, partners and friends who are operating out in this space, you know, to to work with the city of Detroit and their planning department and their housing department. Um, and then to be able to go out in neighborhoods and work with block clubs and, uh, you know, community groups and all of those things. I, if, if you can't get energized interacting with people and, and hearing that experience and seeing a positive impact firsthand, um, I don't know what you can do. So, <laughs> so, so for me, that, that kind of work, um, you know, feeds my spirit and, um, that's what I, I enjoy, uh, the most out of what we do. So I probably should have asked this question before that question. <laughs> sure, that's <laughs> all good. But I'm, but I'm also curious about, you know, you've had a chance to, well, you see how things work, right? Yeah. You see, yeah. you see what the process is, um, and what the. I'm really curious about what you see the biggest challenges being. Mm. You know, I think I think now. You know, th there were some big challenges coming into this work, right? I mean, I know from the mayor's first administration um, and SNF, it was like we want to get the lights on in the city. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, oh, wanna... I remember that. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. So, so, so when you when you start there, um, now I can look back and I'm like, well, wow, all of those things have happened. All of those investments have taken place. Um, those those types of, of progress, that type of progress has been consistent and persistent over the last few years. And I think moving forward now is actually how do we begin to plan for the future of Detroit collectively like 2050, um, you know, or 2075, right? I, I think that that future vision of the city, how do we you know, involve, uh, you know, smart tech into what we're doing? How do we involve, um, you know, creating spaces where, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we go without vehicles, uh, you know, to encourage movement in the cities? And what can we do um, to further positively impact the safety space and how folks feel in neighborhoods and when they're walking these commercial corridors? Um, I think those are some of the challenges that I see in the future um, that we can we we are we are closely uh, getting into the position to be able to address. I just don't think that we're there yet um, because we need that collective citywide conversation um, to be able to to understand and plan uh, appropriately for each of the spaces in the city of Detroit. As you know, there are so many unique neighborhoods here, um, and we uh, we don't want to leave any of them behind. We want all of them to to have a future. Uh, moving forward, but you know it should be up to them what that future looks like, uh, and how quickly and appropriately some of those that new technology and those opportunities uh, for investment um, take place in their their neighborhood. Well said, Jermaine. That's I I love the way that you're putting the residents front and center, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, when I have out of town visitors and I take them around mm -hmm. um, the city, we do have such a wealth of unique neighborhoods. So it's not a one size fit fits all uh, <laughs> process, and it that that makes it more complicated but more interesting, right? 
<laughs> and right um, <clears throat> and probably sets the stage for more innovation because you're solving uh, from a lot of different angles uh, for the future. I, I really hope, um, what what do you think is going to be key? Because you said something earlier that I think is so true. Um, you know, you've got to deal with today before yeah. you even have the space to think about tomorrow. Um, what what do you think is going to help us with that? How, why I, I can tell you're optimistic about our ability to do that and each yeah. of our neighborhoods to do that. So there must be something that you're seeing that makes you feel that that's possible. <laughs> you know, I it's it's actually, um, you know, my my perspective of being optimistic is is mostly from a reflection of Detroiters. Yeah. Um, if I can be honest, I, I, you know, I remember when I first started working with the city of Detroit in any type of capacity back in 2005, 2006, um, and then going through, you know, the, the the recession and the downturn and the housing market in 2008, 2000. I mean, so so I had an opportunity to see, you know, Detroit when it was going through those challenges. And the one thing that always stuck out with me is or, or stuck with me and my and my my spirit is the resiliency of of neighborhoods and folks to find a way to get the services that they needed in their neighborhood with their neighbors. So when the street lights were out, there were folks who might put floodlights out or you know plug in and put you know do whatever was necessary yeah. um, to be able to ensure that their neighborhood was safe. And they did that on their own, right? Um, and I think a lot of you know my optimism about the city of Detroit is that you have a a generation of folks who have lived through some traumatic experiences, um, but time and time again have come back or found a way to kind of fight through and navigate those things um, for the betterment of, of the their neighbor and themselves. And so, for me, if we, if we're now talking about um, you know now we're we're bringing resources to those efforts and we are beginning to listen to those residents in a way where. You know, we're not coming in and saying, you know, we have expertise, but we're not the experts of the neighborhoods. That's what I like to say. It's like, I don't live in your neighborhood 24 seven. Um, you do. So I have these tools and I have these resources. How can I help you be, you know, achieve the future that you want to see? And I think that's the part where that optimism um, gets gets kind of uh, hyped up for me um, is I'm ha those are the types of conversations that I'm having. And when I'm seeing people opening businesses or I'm seeing folks make improvements to their properties or to their neighborhood or coming together for a block club uh, event and those types of things. It's like, you know what? Detroiters are going to make a way where there's no way every single time. And so <laughs> for me, if I can just be there and catch a little bit of that wave and support what they're doing, um, then then I'm doing my job and, and we'll have a brighter future for it. Uh, well, Jermaine, I don't know how you top that. <laughs> so <laughs> really, because because I, I think you're spot on. Anyway, yeah. gotcha. um, Jermaine Ruffin, thank you so much for joining us today on the Green Stream. And thank you for the incredible work that you're doing in the community. It's uh, really a wonderful opportunity to have learned more about that. So thank you. Terry, again, thank you for having me on and thank you for bringing visibility to all this great work uh, in the ecosystem that's happening here in Detroit. Um, thank you for what you do. Thanks. Have a good one, everyone.
Thank you for tuning in to the Sustainable Business Network Detroit, the Green Stream Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to follow us on sbn-detroit.org and stay tuned for more conversations on sustainability from inside and around the city.